0: On today's episode of Chalk Talk, we're going to break down squatting, and in particular, we're going to be focusing in on full range of motion squatting versus partial squatting. Um, Coach Brez has done some research. There's a lot of research out there that we're going to talk through and just break down like we have in sort of these Chalk Talk minis, so we're excited to kick this one off. This is Chalk Talk presented by Platform. Let's go. All right, Coach Braz, like I said, we're going to be talking about full versus partial range of motion squatting today. Um, when we were first prepping this one out, I sort of thought we were just talking about the uh, ability to get into a, a full range of motion squat. But I think you're going to clarify pretty quickly for us. We're actually talking about intentionally maybe squatting either to a full range versus a partial range. I only say that because I had initially thought the conversation was going to be about people's inability to actually get to a full range of motion okay, squatting. Fair. We had talked at length about that in other st- Podcast episodes and things like that. Today's is more a performance focus um, in terms of kind of why or why not you would go to a full versus partial squat and how it works within a lot of strength training programs. So before I let you sort of define both, I think it's probably fair as to what kind of drew you to this. This was one that you thought of and kind of wanted to bring up. So why don't you first kind of start off telling us how you landed on this topic?
1: Yeah, well, you know, you brought up the the theme of you know full range of motion squatting benefits thereof. Should you always you know squat? Basically, call it ass to grass is the the saying that's often thrown around um, and is you know partial a negative thing and funnily enough there is a very you know kind of long standing somewhat vehement debate between the efficacy or reasons for full range of motion squatting or partial range of motion squatting and and so that's where my mind went first and i think it's worth mentioning that what we're talking about here the debate is not whether or not somebody can or should set a foundation of an ability to squat through an entire Functional range of motion. Um, what we're talking about is that there is debate and consideration for the use of varying levels of depth within more advanced strength training programs, like advanced athletic performance or you know strength athletes, people to get into heavy powerlifting or weightlifting. So, what we're talking about today is that kind of farther end of the spectrum and how and when to use different depths of squatting and, and why. Um, but I want to make it very clear that up front, you know, we're not talking about should you only ever squat to one depth or another or, you know, the, the benefits of partial, meaning that you should never squat below parallel or learn a full squat pattern. Um, because that's not really where the
0: debate lies. It's it's really at that next step next stage. Gotcha. So like you just mentioned at the very end of that is, you know, everyone should and can be able to get into that full range of motion squat. And obviously for some, as we've talked about, it's going to take some time to get there because of mobility issues, strength issues, things like that. But once everyone can really get to that full range of motion, there then becomes almost like we use the word wrinkle sometimes to make training different or to kind of maximize one area that people are working on. And I'm going to let you get into both. Um, I think we've done a good job sort of starting with some baseline definitions just so we're all on the same page. Yeah. So why don't we start there probably with first that full range of motion and what we're talking about with the squat. You already kind of touched on it, but let's just make sure we really kind of draw it out and everyone kind of knows what we're talking
1: about. No, absolutely. It's worth doing because again, this this conversation and debate is a bit more nuanced than just saying whether or not you should be able to quote quote, unquote squat deep, right? Um, So when we're talking a full range of motion squat, we're talking about a bilateral right the two-legged loaded squat pattern um, in which the hip crease is actually going to descend below parallel so the hip crease is below the knee joint so we're talking 140 degrees of knee flexion so think to the point where your hamstrings are touching your calves Um, funnily enough like we often talk about parallel being an okay standard for a full range of motion squat. In the most literal sense, that's actually not considered a full range of motion squat.
0: Yeah. And I think one of the things that I like to use, and I picked it up actually from Max and other people who often have used it in our own videos is thinking about being able to roll a marble from your knee to your hip. Correct. And just thinking about it not being totally flat, that 90 degree angle, sometimes the way we describe almost like the top of a lunge or things like that, but realistically, like you said, actually a little bit more than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're talking all the way below, basically
1: the end range of your ability to drop hip level while maintaining, obviously, the other points of performance that we care about. the The gold standard is everybody in an unloaded environment and then loaded as well should be able to get past that parallel point that's not a universal statement obviously some people are built certain ways have certain issues um, injury or otherwise or or pain or or anything along we're not saying it's a you know stamp of approval that has to be everybody's standard but that's really what the goal is for for most people mm-hmm. um, and if we want, we can talk partial first and then kind of go back yeah, and let's, forth.
0: Yeah, let's do that, and then we'll cycle back, back to the other one. Let's just define, because y- you have some helpful definitions, I think, that just like you talked about with angles and what it looks like, probably some of the more uh, common ways people would kind of look at as a partial squat
1: yeah and this is where uh, i should have mentioned at the beginning this conversation even within the constraints of understanding that it's like a next level advanced uh programming perspective and there's a very specific debate there is a lot of verbiage and semantics that is it's just missing connections between arguments between coaching between philosophies that it gets a bit muddled so What we're going to do is we're going to define a partial squat as that same bilateral loaded squat pattern but in which the hip crease only travels uh, about 45 degrees. You can think of it as halfway to parallel. Um, The reason I say that is because that's really where it's going to be used most and the arguments for the use of a partial squat, that's what we're talking about. That being said, technically speaking, anything that's not the full 140 is technically considered a partial squat. So even things like box squats to parallel um, or a parallel squat in which you're stopping yourself at 90 degrees and coming back up is considered partial. Um, Now, what we're gonna be mostly referencing is an intentional stop well above parallel. um, And it's also something in which you are not using the same load you would with a full range of motion or even parallel squat. You are using something that's supra maximal. It's above your full range of motion maximum ability. Um, so it's an intentionally shorter range of motion at an intentionally higher intensity.
0: Yeah, and I think box squat is a good example. Even with that, I think sometimes people will kind of like use a box squat as an example where you can almost get to the bottom, reset, and then try to drive back up. Um, and, and even that one, I think to me, I see a lot of times on Twitter being like, this is a better way to do it than the quote unquote full range of motion squat where you're descending below where that box would technically be. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that one also helps paint that picture. So I think probably good definition and it immediately makes me sort of go to, you talked about doing more weight and everything else like that. Let's just kind of start back up from the top. I think just from an understanding of the reasons you mentioned outside of just kind of loading it higher. Is there any other just like high level considerations, um, of that partial range of motion squat that like is sort of like the high level. This is why we do it or or why you would do it. Um, Yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that probably is the better place to start and then work backwards. Um, the reason that partial squatting is often considered a positive or a tool um, or a, a crucial part of advanced strength or advanced performance, uh, the thinking is along the lines of the range of motion about which that hip is moving is a smaller range of motion, but one that many would argue. Again, this is just the visual test, not necessarily what's happening physiologically entirely, but the thinking is that it, it operates within a much more similar um, joint angle as sprinting and jumping, mm-hmm. right? Because if you picture, you know, your typical vertical jump, you're not descending all the way down into a full squat and coming back to the top.
0: Right. I think sometimes that like sport specificity word gets thrown around. And like in this example, there's not a lot of times where you're probably like below parallel squatting in an actual athletic performance situation. Of course there are some, um, but for the most point, you're probably more so in that kind of like quarter squat, forty-five degree angle, and, and this is what trips people up because that's a very valid statement, but not for what the reasons that
1: many coaches might look at that and say, "Well, oh well, then why am I ever full squatting?" You know, I want to maximize the things that matter on the field. Well, we got to remember that what we're doing is chasing adaptation, not mimicking movement. Right. So there's a couple of things to unpack there. First. The fact that you're only moving through that range of motion that might be more, maybe closer to sprinting and jumping isn't inherently better, okay? There are reasons that that range of motion being loaded at an extreme level can drive adaptation that is useful, um, but it is not a replacement of the adaptation that you gain through a full range of motion squat. So I just wanna be clear that even though there are reasons to consider, and we'll talk about the very specific like joint angle specificity and joint angle overload, it's not because it mimics sprinting and jumping that it's better and so you should always do that. There are reasons that because it operates in that area, it can drive some adaptation that might be unique.
0: And so to that point, I think where you just touched on, which will allow us to sort of go back probably to the full range of motion squatting is you talked a lot about like chasing adaptations and not so much always like the sport specificity that it's like that eye test that we sometimes talk about. Um, So before we get into sort of the joint angle specificity and joint angle overload and things like that, I think it's probably worth just going back up to full range of motion squatting just quickly, if you'll allow me to, and talk to us a little bit about sort of some of those benefits and adaptations that do occur as someone does kind of go through that full range of motion squatting in terms of you know, the things that are being, you know, the, the adaptations we're chasing of being able to kind of squat to that full depth.
1: Right. Well, so that's, what's unique in uh, nobody would argue that full range of, well, not, not nobody, but most, most people wouldn't argue that full range of motion squatting is uh, maybe lesser or of no importance to athletic performance. We know that a full range of motion squat has a lot of benefits and drives a lot of performance adaptation. I mean, firstly, you are going to do more work in a full range of motion squat. We know that, right? You're traveling through a greater range of motion. So you're actually going to really set a, a great foundation of strength development and muscle gain, which also elicits the potential for greater strength and power gain. Um, you're not going to see almost any real noticeable hypertrophy in a partial squat, whereas a full squat is going to drive a lot more of that. Um, as well as the fact that you know, from a mobility standpoint, if you are only ever operating in a very, very small um, joint range of motion, you're not going to have necessarily maybe the total, bodily, total body structural mobility that might be extremely beneficial in any athletic endeavor. Um, we've talked about it before. Many people feel like a full range of motion squat is probably the best way to increase your true flexibility, mobility, and strong and powerful functional ranges of motion. Sure. Um, and then, you know, I think also worth mentioning is that, you know, you think of if you're going to have to load something super, super heavy – and only operate within a small range of motion. Well, the the flip side of that is you're only ever going to improve your strength or power in the range of motion that you are working within. So a full range of motion squat is gonna work the entire range of motion, including that top angle, but you're not going to get it in a partial squat anything beyond that range of motion and you are only going to get better at what you do Mm -hmm. and so the idea that well if i only care about that small range of motion for sprinting and and jumping that's why i'm going to work it you're leaving a lot on the table and you're also saying that all i ever care about is that small uh joint angle of the hip when in reality you know most athletics it might not mainly work in a full squat but you're going to work through a lot of different ranges of motion about the hip and knee and if you've never trained within it you're probably leaving yourself open for you
0: know some potential either Degradation of performance or possible injury. Sure, and it almost makes me stem back to the conversation we've had about like strength versus power, and like strength almost being like a prerequisite and baseline. I think we're sort of stemming into that, or some people do in these conversations, is they want like that like high level power and like kind of going back to that sprint mentality of being able to like explode jump to the end goal yeah and 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 skip some sometimes ahead of that you know the benefits of those full range of motion squatting like you talked about that actually are going to help set up those other things
1: absolutely um and i think what's maybe even more important to note before we talk about you know the positives and how you might use partials everybody for a long time believed luckily not so much now that squatting deep was injurious to one's knees and back but they've done a lot of work and research and everything suggests actually that the greatest compression force on the spine and the greatest shearing force on the knee occurs all above parallel Mm -hmm. so the lower you go the actual the safer it is for both your spine and your knees yep and if you compound that with the fact that we mentioned before to use partials and use them well in the way that people promote you're actually having to load that up 30 to 40 percent higher than you would a full range of motion squat which just means even greater force in the most call it risky range of motion or area of the movement that you're just you're actually safer to do a full range of motion squat then you are a partial. Now, that's not saying that they're inherently dangerous, but you can't look at it as a way to save yourself by gaining super gains but minimizing risk. You're actually operating within something a bit riskier uh, in just the relative sense. Um, And the thing that is the safest is actually that full range of motion squat.
0: Gotcha. Makes um, total sense. And I think that's probably a good place in terms of just setting the foundation of that full range of motion squat and you touched on... If I could add
1: one thing because it it will segue into what we talk about sure. next. Um, when we start talking about the performance adaptations that might be useful in a partial squat, it's worth noting that there is conflicting literature everywhere. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of studies that suggest that a full range of motion squat Will have better sprint, jump, and all of those athletic measurement improvements than any partial or, um, you know, non-full range of motion squat. So while we talk about the potential and some backing of partial squat and how you might use it and why, it's not a guarantee, right? Um, and there's nothing to say that the full range of motion squat can't be everything you need it to be all on its own.
0: Fair enough. And in good context. So you talked a little bit about joint angle specificity already, talking about sort of the ideal of, you know, the quarter squat being more specific to certain movements of sprinting and things like that. You just briefly touched, um, prior to that ca- caveat about kind of joint angle overload and having to actually load things up more so 30 to 45%. Um, so with those two things in mind, cause you've already touched on both of them sort of separately let's now kind of dive into like why you would use it or like kind of the the case for it keeping in mind that of course different studies say different things well
1: absolutely and i think what you said was correct the first thing to note is that joint angle specificity thing is really just an eye test there's no one like piece of information that says that that is the best part of the squat it's just something that we've kind of intuited about it being a useful section of the movement. Where it probably is quite useful or can be a useful tool is in that overload piece. Because as we mentioned, most people can partial call it that 45 degree squat 30 to 40 percent heavier than they could a full range of motion squat. And what that means, if you just kind of work backwards, is that if you only ever full range of motion squat, theoretically... You are only working at about 70 or even 60% of your maximal ability in that final range of motion, which we think could be quite useful for you know very specific items like a jump. Mm -hmm. So theoretically, if you're not maximizing your your pursuit within that range of motion, maybe you're leaving some gains on the table. Uh, Again, not necessarily borne out entirely. That that's true, that you're going to gain something by doing, certainly not by doing partial squats on their own, but potentially by not adding them into the program on top of full range of motion. But there are other things that are useful with partials um, when you get to an advanced training stage. And, you know, the first is that physiological component that we just mentioned, you know, in that range of motion that is kind of unique to the squat at the top. But... Just as importantly, you can train yourself to be confident under heavy weight by using partials, mm-hmm. um, and it's something not to be you know overlooked. If you are chasing you know big time numbers in the squat, uh, sometimes it's intimidating to walk up to a bar and see that you have to squat that thing all the way down and all the way up, and it, it's you, you and just you've never know done that it's going to feel heavy. Yeah, but if you've put more than that on your back and done a partial squat, you have an understanding of what that feels like and a bit more confidence that you know you can move it and you've done all of your work kind of from both ends and maybe now you can move your entire squat up higher. We used to do walkouts. We'd load it up crazy heavy and you'd just walk out of the rack, set yourself up for a squat, walk it back in yeah so that you knew what it felt
0: like yeah and i think where the partial squat thing becomes interesting is that then to the point that we keep kind of hammering at and i'll let you touch on because this is just what i'm hearing at least is that like it, it this is we're talking with a more experienced athlete both from a training perspective but also a maturity perspective of knowing like if you did a quarter squat, that wasn't your squat. You know, That wasn't like you doing a 400-pound a squat. variation
1: of your movement. Right. The full movement pattern is a full range of motion squat, and it always should be. Yeah, um, And even the, the coaches out there that are strict proponents of the use of partials and have the reasons to do so, good reasons to do so, even if the, the article or research study says like the, you know, the benefits of partials well the funny thing isn't you get to the bottom the caveats are well first i only use this for you know three weeks a year uh, or three weeks out of 20 and it's only when we're peaking mm-hmm. um it's only in advanced athletes and i would never even consider introducing them until an athlete can sque- squat one to f- 1.5 to two times their own body weight in a full range of motion squat first yeah because until you get to that point you're really not you're leaving stuff on the table by jumping to partials, yep. um, and you're getting everything you need from a full range of motion squat, which we do all believe is probably the thing that matters more and should be what you start and master first.
0: Yeah, and I think both those points, just to pick them apart, is one, it's not like you're doing it every week for you know half the year or anything Correct. else like that, and two, basically like you said, it's intended for an individual that really does have that baseline, you know, strength, and and like you said, you said one point five to two of basically body weight. Yeah.
1: One place I see like most places you see like one seven to 2.0 is like the gold standard of like, that's when you're strong enough in your full range of motion squat to do other things that maybe focus on other items. Um, And 1.5 probably being the lowest. I think it's also worth noting that a lot of other coaches might say, like, I understand the reason for that joint specificity, joint angle specificity and the overload. I choose not to ever bother with a heavy partial. I might, this is where bands and chains actually can be useful because you are basically adding more load only at the top of the movement where you're strongest. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you think about it, when you're, you put those big heavy chains on the side, when you're standing, the whole chain's off the ground. So you've added a bunch of weight. The lower you go, the less weight is actually on the bar because it's resting on the ground, yep. and then you return in the opposite direction, so you've just loaded only that part of the Yeah, vehicle. I think that's a really helpful kind of visual for that. And so that's why a lot of people use those. Again, we've talked about it before. You know, bands and trains are great, and there's a very specific reason to use them. A very specific reason mm-hmm. is partials, but have you already gotten to the point where you need to use them? I'd argue that most college athletes probably haven't even achieved their 1.5 or 2.0 body weight, uh, ratio, body weight squat ratio that would, you know, even warrant the use thereof a very, very specific high end, um, you know, squat variations like depth chains or whatever. Um, and then, I, you know, other people would say, well, that's why I like loaded jumps, if we care about the jump pattern, the sprint pattern, that 45 degrees, fine. Instead of going super heavy and adding the shear force on the knees, the compression force on the spine, let's do something at just higher velocity so the intensity is high. All right, but it's not as much load, and it's the actual movement pattern, right? If you think about, like, I want to improve jumping, so I'm going to do a a, a, a super heavy partial squat. Does that make more sense than... Just grabbing a pair of dumbbells and doing high-velocity actual loaded jumps. No, and that's why people love trap bar jumps. People love dumbbell jumps. And they're all a great reason. It serves the same purpose and also can be done far before you get to that 1.5, 2.0 ratio in your squat. So, partials, you know, certainly reasons that they can be a tool in your toolbox, Probably not something that's going to be used with many of the people that we work with.
0: Yeah, and that was going to be sort of my question probably to sort of steer us towards the end of the conversation because you've touched on a lot of the stuff we were hoping to kind of get through already. Mm -hmm. Um, And understanding more so just sort of the bigger picture of like, well, I'm seeing a lot of it out there as a coach or, or I work with track athletes or I work with this group that it would benefit um, what is, and you've already kind of done it. So you don't have to go like fully back into every single thing, but what is sort of your just general metric of, is this for me or not? And I know we've used that in different things and it's hard to make it, you know, overly simplified, but so far I've sort of heard is can your athletes, you know, complete that full range of motion squats safely? Is this a big part of your program or is it really more of just like a little caveat just like we mix in different versions of squats and things like that? And really just understanding that this is an advanced movement that needs to be done safely because a lot of times, like you said, it is actually going kind of like Supra, your your max. And you wanna make sure that you keep it safe. Anything outside of that that I, in my summary that you wanna to touch on or I missed? No, I think you, you hit it. Um, and it's it's funny and it's worth noting that
1: like this Movement in this variation is often where people will prescribe the use of weight belts and knee sleeves because what you're doing is protecting That additional force on those structures uh, Because you are acknowledging that it is greater than probably you are capable of In a full range of motion and it's going to be the most vulnerable area. It's all about context, right? There's Nothing inherently good or bad about a partial squat. It's a tool in a toolbox for a coach really is all about understanding who are your population, um, what is your actual goal, why are you using it, when are you using it, how are you using it. For for most high schoolers, very small percentage of them are ever going to get to the point where that's a useful tool because they've hit their kind of plateau in, in squat strength. And it's like, hey, it's time to chase adaptation by adding in other things. Um, but if you get to that point, there's nothing saying you can't. Mm-hmm. There's nothing saying you can't use chains and bands to maybe chase some of that adaptation before somebody can get to a 2.0 bodyweight squat. So it's doable. Um, but you know, from our standpoint and much the way we approach everything, we're about building the base, building the foundation upon which more advanced training can occur. And I think taking a step back and realizing that most Kids are never going to be at the point where you could call them advanced lifters. I don't mean advanced athletes, advanced lifters. They've been around. They've had so many reps. They've had so much experience. They've developed themselves so fully that it's time to add other elements. Uh, That's just not really the case. That's rarely the case in college.
0: Yeah, and I think the other point, too, is like even at that level, a lot of times we're talking like, you know, especially in just about any athlete, there's weeks off, there's different things. We're not talking about an athlete who's training for years you know, on end. With yeah, resistance. over and over and over again, yeah. week over week. I, I, I think that helps put it into context into your point too of like thinking about what is your goal or what is your intention? It might not just be like loading this up to chase that ab- adaptation of squatting a heavier weight because I think a lot of people have trended away from just thinking like I want as much weight on the bar. Um, yeah. Not everybody, but to your point about jumping and things like that, are there other ways that we could be doing what it is I'm like right. actually kind of on? paper looking to get out of my sprinters or my jumpers or whoever it may be
1: i have one kid right now that i would even consider it being an option and it's not worth that if it's one person right so there are other ways to get what you're looking for and you know just to bring it all back around you know we were discussing full versus partial and the benefits of both um but i want to maybe reiterate or nail home that the full range of motion squat is the ideal Yep. And there are a myriad of reasons that it is one of the best um, drivers of performance adaptation, especially for new new lifters and new athletes. Yep. So um, there's really no way you can go wrong there. And that's probably the pursuit that most people are going to want to
0: take in our, uh, in our world. For sure. And I think... Like we've touched on, there's lots of ways you can even just do that. You know, mm-hmm. there are so many different ways you can just squat in and of itself right. that – the well, v- front the- squat.
1: But that's the thing. You should be doing variation anyway.
0: Right. Right. And as you mentioned,
1: if, if the most advanced athletes in the world have a 20-week cycle and they use partial right. for three – we never have 20-week cycles, let alone are the advanced lifters. So it's more about making sure that you just continually train the squat pattern, uh, front squat, back squat, overhead squat, different intensities. Maybe you're going light for volume, maybe you're going heavy, you know, all of those things. We're never gonna get to the point where we've just done all of that so much that it's time to look elsewhere um, and, and Chase something else.
0: Yep, absolutely. And I think that's a good place to stop unless you have anything else. Good. Um, and appreciate everybody tuning in. Obviously, like we talked about, you know, everything sort of drives back to one of those foundational movements of the squat. We've talked about a million different podcasts, made a million different articles and videos of all sorts of types of squatting. So if you're looking for ideas or you need things to use, uh, we got you covered and feel free to poke around or, or reach out to find exactly what it is you're looking for. Thanks again for everybody for listening. And remember at Platform, it's always in pursuit of better.